Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Look at the person next to you and say, Happy New Year. All right, I know you said that a million times, but here we are in Happy New Decade, all those good things. How many of you guys are, um, man, you're just hoping really good things for this year? You know what I mean? You just have high hopes, not only for uh, maybe your life and your family, but I know here collectively we have high hopes, and I just believe 2020 is um, going to be a good year. I, I believe that every year. We start a new year, it's, there's an opportunity for new things, and God is always doing new things, and so... We've been doing this series. We started last week. Scott spoke last week. It was an amazing message. I I got to listen to it. Um, And we started this series called 2020. And we obviously have a new year, new decade. And then that fill in the blank is for you. Like maybe there's something new for you that in these coming weeks that you'll be able to fill in. And maybe new prayers, new dreams, new resolutions maybe. Or maybe it's just that classic new new year, new year, new you thing. But um, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about what we're talking about today because I want to, I want to, dive into a few foundational things that I believe every follower of Jesus should be thinking about. And I want to talk to you about like, you know those days, and some of you have been a Christian for a while, those days in the very beginning when you became a Christian, or maybe you're you're new to the Christian thing, or there's probably even a few of you in here that might would say, I'm not even sure I'm a if I'm a Christian, but I'm here today for whatever reason. I'm exploring. No matter where you are, I want to talk about something that I think will be helpful to you. Because when when you first become a believer, there's this expectation, right? Like you're at this point in your life where you're like, okay, now what? You know what I mean? Like I'm a believer. This should mean something. There's some things that should be coming with this. I'm a Christian. So what am I, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to say? What am I, it, there's like this new expectation that being a Christian should mean something to your life, right? That it should change something about who you are or it should, it should require some things. And it's kind of like that saying, oh, it comes with the territory. You know the saying, the saying something, things come with the territory. Like when you go to Target and you spend more money than you intended to, that comes with the territory. Are you with me? Right? I, I'm, I'm going to be part of a, uh, it's called a church planters boot camp this week in which I'm going to be going and I'm going to be talking to a group of pastors who are planting or starting a new church like we did seven years ago. And I'm going up there this week to do a couple training sessions. They bring me in to kind of show you what not to do. <laughs> They're like, this guy started a church with no money. And uh, this guy thinks going through a bar is a good idea. There's just things like that. They're like, this guy's good for stories. That's about it. But, um, but every, every one of those planters in the room, they have at least a hazy knowledge that there's some things that come with the territory, right? Like, it's not an easy thing to start a church. It's not an easy thing to do that. There's a lot of spiritual expectation, a lot of trust, faith. And it's similar to some of you in your own work, in your own career, maybe Maybe you've started a business, and there's a lot of hope and trust that went in that. It's just part, it comes with the territory. As a parent, right? As a parent, there's a lot of, uh, you know, abounding love that must exist, and a lot of, a lot of um, uh, responsibility that comes with being a parent. And even those of you who went to college or graduate school, you know, that comes with the territory is some late nights, right, studying and a lot of hard work. And there are things attached to the territory that you step into. Are you with me? You know, whenever uh, Christy and I, we had our 10-year anniversary, we went to Jamaica. When we stepped into the territory of Jamaica, let me tell you, there were some things attached to it. Beautiful weather, lots of posters of Usain Bolt, and Bob Marley music everywhere, right? And so 
There's some things like that. And what, if we're going to call becoming a Christian sort of the territory of the kingdom of God, what comes with that territory? What comes with that? And, and I think most of us would say, if, I, if, if you had to fill in the blank, you'd start saying a lot of things come with that. And, and in, in fact, when I think about being a Christian, I feel like there's this long list of things that I, I have to go and do. And, and, and eventually, at some point in a new Christian's life, and as they get a little more mature, it starts to become a list of things that we got to do instead of a life that we're supposed to become. And, and what happens is we're like, oh, I'm going to have to, I have to do new, new behaviors and, and new attitudes and new activities and new disciplines. And, oh, it's a new year, so I need a new devotional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or whatever it is. And we start to think, i got to do certain things or not do certain things. And this is what it becomes about. And all of those things are good in and of themselves. But how do we know that we're really living into the person that God wants us to be and that we're not getting sidetracked along the way? Because I don't know about you, the longer you're a Christian, the easier it is to get sidetracked. And to think, oh, Christianity is about this. Christianity is about this. Being a follower of Jesus is about that. And we start to think, oh, it's about this. And, and, and we start, I see so many people, they like chase rabbits in their, faith, in their faith in Jesus. And they forget the foundation. And they forget what it's really all about, what comes with the territory. So in 2020, I want to take us back to our foundations for a moment, right, as we begin this year. What comes with the territory of being a follower of Jesus? When we first said yes to Christ, there was an expectation that it meant something. And, and, and I would say this, I would say that um, if I can, I want to kind of, kind of put this into a category of three relationships, that it really is about our relationship with God, our relationship with the church, and our relationship with the world. I want to put this on screen, and we're going to talk about these three relationships today, that this is the foundation, if you will, of what it means um, and where you find a lot of purpose, if you will, in your relationship with Jesus. Clearly, we each have individual relationships with spouses or kids or parents or, or family or friends uh, that are critical to our everyday life and who we are. But in the context of this conversation, it's a little bit larger. You'll see where many of these and those types of relationships fit within these larger contexts. But I want to talk about these three relationships because clearly in the Christian life, we have to have a strong and growing relationship with God, right? We also need and should want a vibrant and healthy relationship that's active with our church. And there are clearly encouragements throughout the word of God about our relationship with the world. Let's just think about this um, using one of the core scriptures in all the Bible, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'll just read this to you. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we know this, passion, this passage excuse me, as the great what? This is the great commission. And in these few short sentences, Jesus does a lot, doesn't he? He does a lot of work. He not only establishes himself and his authority, but he passes that authority to us, and he gives us our purpose and mission in life, that we should go make disciples, that we should baptize them, and we should teach them everything that Jesus taught us. I mean, that's, that's pretty, I mean, in just a few sentences, he like sort of orients the purpose of our life. For you and me to do that, for us to go and carry out the Great Commission, we're going to have to have a great relationship with God. We're going to have to have a great relationship with other believers, the church. And we're going to have to have a great relationship with the world around us, and those who are not in the church. Would you agree? 
So this is the stuff that comes with the territory of our faith. Now, this may seem obvious, but you, don't, you probably would agree with me if you start to think about this, how many people, and maybe even your own self at times, over the years, that have not necessarily seen all three of these relationships as necessarily important or at equal, at some level of importance uh, that is close. For, for example, let me just say it this way. There are many people that think that having a relationship with God is a private matter between oneself and God. And that's all that's really necessary. They don't value the church or maybe value the need to evangelize the world. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. Or people who only love relationships with people. They love relationships with people. They love being a part of the church. And the truth is that they really lack discipline and passion for Jesus, so they love the things of Jesus, but they don't really love Jesus. For many people, depending on the season of life you're in, the foundation and the commitment to these three relationships shift around. And this can happen in ways in which we renegotiate in our mind the level of importance or our ability to actually nurture one's relationship with God, perhaps be involved in a church, or to care about people who are far from God. We renegotiate in different seasons of our life these relationships. How many of you know that a foundation shouldn't shift? <laughs> but yet in our world and in our culture, these relationships, they shift depending on the season we are in. Are you following me? We think, oh, I can't be involved in church right now, or I can't really nurture my relationship with the Lord, or I can't really care about people who don't know Jesus. And so our foundation is like sand. How many know the foundation should not be sand? That it should be solid. That it should be rock solid that we understand the relationships that are important. So I want to give you a little more context to each of these relationships of God, church, and the world. We'll first look at God. So what what does a relationship with God look like for every believer? Uh, if you can't tell, I really want to start 2020 with some rock solid, like bread and butter, foundational, like who are we kind of stuff. So what, is, what comes with the territory of a relationship with God? I'm going to give you five quick thoughts about this. Maybe we can say it this way. Our relationship with God is declaring these five things. Jesus is the center of my life and I worship him alone. He's my passion. My life is directed by the Bible, Scripture. I believe in prayer as an act of intimacy, contending, meaning perseverance, right? And faith, my prayer life. I listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. And I understand who I am in Christ and live accordingly, my identity. Now, I don't know if this is like everything, um, but I, I, we'll begin here. Like our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God is about passion. It's about his word. It's about prayer, obedience, and our identity in him. We don't have the time to unpack all five of these in great detail. I plan to come back to these things later in the year. For real, I am thinking later in the year. But um, essentially, these are convictions we should have about our relationship with God. And these are all amazing things, are they not? These are all really, really good things, exciting things. In fact, a relationship with God would be pretty difficult and possibly impossible without these things. You, you get this, this, the seriousness of these five things. Like, without these five, this would be like, can you imagine a relationship with God that says, I don't plan to obey him? 
Can you imagine a relationship with God that says, I'm not going to read his word? Can you imagine a relationship with God that says, I don't plan to pray all that much? This would be like getting a new career, and the new career has some expectations of you, right? And the career is that, hey, you're supposed to dress business cash, and we want you to be there at 8.30 a.m. And you're like, eh, I think I'm going to wear my yoga pants and an oversized beast mode t-shirt. <laughs> and I'll be there at 9.45. Would that fly? Would that go over? Does that come with the territory of the new job? Everyone in this room would say, no way, that, that, that's ridiculous. But yet, people all the time think, I can get away without obeying God, yet pray the favor and blessing of God over my life. Imagine a life of Jesus said, I love the scriptures. They're important, but, not, but I really probably spend most of my time reading popu- the, you know, the popular books. I get my, you know, Oprah's latest nuggets of wisdoms or the endless stream of podcasts. That's where, I, that's where I get my wisdom from. And all those things are great. I don't have a problem with them, especially Oprah. Um, <laughs> um, but, but we must love scripture more, right? And I could go on and on, but clearly a few things come with the territory territory of being a Christian, and it begins with building our relationship with God, and Jesus must be the center of what we worship. He's worthy of our worship. It says this in Hebrews 12, 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God. Everyone say worship. worship. That we so, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy <coughs> being passionate about. I've said this before when we were in our Jesus series, but Jesus must be our passion before he's our purpose. I mean, I love um, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. It's an amazing book. It's got great stuff in it, but Jesus must be our passion even before he's our purpose, and I think he would agree. It's our passion that shapes our purpose, doesn't it? It's about passion that refines and carries, it carries our purpose. I've seen, I, I, you know, it's not really all that difficult to have purpose. You don't have to be alive to have purpose. <laughs> Tupperware bowls have a purpose. My ladder in my garage has a great purpose. It fulfills that purpose every time I want to use it. But you know what changes the world? Passion. Passion changes the world. People who are passionate about their purpose, that's who changes the world. That was good. Thank you. Maybe for 20, in 2020, it's a year where things like scripture and prayer, the things we've been talking about for the better part of the last two years, they take root in your heart like never before to where you can't get enough of it. Don't you want to live a life like that? You see, these things aren't, when they, be, when they don't become a list of things to do, but they come, up, they come a dream of who you want to become, I want to be passionate. I want to obey. I want to read his word. I want to, I want to pray. When these become the person that you want to become, instead of a list of things that you must do, well, then you find yourself actually building a relationship with God instead of trying to practice religion. Ultimately, our relationship with God defines who we are. It's our identity, right? Our identity is in Christ. We are no longer who we were. The old has gone, but the new has come. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I, 
I love it. I know who we were. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. You see, confidence in one's identity has forever been the human challenge. To know who we are and why we are here is the human question. And think about it. In today's world of globalization, where the world's becoming smaller, religious melting pots, everything's bleeding together, social pressures to abandon any form of truth, guess what sits in the crosshairs of our generational crisis? Identity. You understand that? And the one solution to a broken, confused culture is our identity in Christ. And God has been answering the question of who you are and why you are here from the beginning. That's what he's been doing. And so our relationship with God is declaring that, Jesus, you are the center of my life, and I worship you alone. My life. My life is directed by the Bible, and I believe in prayer as an act of intimacy, contending in faith, and I will listen and obey the Holy Spirit, and I understand who I am in Christ, and I will live accordingly. So this is the first relationship, and maybe in 2020, this is like, this is where you're going. I want to become that. Church is the second relationship that comes with the territory of being a follower of Jesus, what does a relationship with the church look like for every follower of Jesus? What comes with the territory of that? Well, again, five quick thoughts. If you're doing math, yes, there will be 15 points today. <laughs> so maybe we can say it this way. A relationship with the church is declaring, I am connected to other believers in love, friendship, and unity. Community. I allow open and honest feedback in my life. Accountability. I joyfully give to further the kingdom of God, generosity. I use my gifts, talents, and calling to serve and be the church. Of course, our service. And my church family begins in my home, our family. I mean, don't you want these things? Again, these are, these, this, is, this is like the, the vision of who we want to become. Those are good things. Community, yes, I want that. <laughs> Accountability, need it. Generosity, so much more fun to give. Service, yes, I don't, I don't want to be selfish. Family, such a gift, count me in. I want these things. I think you do too. In fact, being a healthy Christian, I would say it's impossible. Uh, it's, it's certainly very difficult to be healthy in your relationship with the Lord as a Christian without the church in your life. I, I just really believe that. Our relationship with the church begins with being united with other believers in love and, and unity. A few verses for you. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So that's what we're going to do together. Not giving up meeting together, oh, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We must meet together and do it often. I know that's not what something everybody values, but I believe we must. John 13, 34 says, And now I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he's given us a commandment in the New Testament. It's about love. So Ephesians 4, 2, it says this, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You ever bared with one another in love? <laughs> Don't you want people to bear with you in love? 
And you're like, uh, this is getting awkward. No, I mean, listen, what I see happen in the church so often is when we have to bear with anyone, we bail. Right? When bearing becomes the thing we're supposed to do, we say, no, thanks. And I just, know, I just I want to be part of a community that knows how to bear with one another in love. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. John 15.12 says, and he reiterates what he said in John 13, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I can keep going and going. Jesus says this over and over again. Be connected. Be in unity. He has a desire. The heart of Jesus is that we would be united as one. Jesus Jesus wants you to have friends. <laughs> he wants you to have family here. Isn't that good? Like, what can be better? He's, he is so good to give us the church. He's like, hey, I'm not going to make you do this alone. This whole faith thing, it isn't a private matter. <laughs> it's actually one that's done in community. It's actually done with others. He wants to give you people that you can bear with and that can bear with you. God knows that when we're connected in community, things like accountability can happen. You see, the absence of church in someone's life is the absence of some accountability. <laughs> and who, who in here would say that you, you don't have to raise your hands, but who in here would disagree that you and, you and I need accountability in our life? We need people that will ask us the hard questions, that will care about us when they see that something's not going right, that will step in and that will lead us, and that will also challenge us to go and chase the person that God has called us to be, that will say, you know what, God has so much more for you. God can do more in you. We need people in our life like that to call us into things that is really what it means to be the church the best way we know how, one that's generous, one that loves to serve, one that encourages one another as parents and as kids and as siblings and our families. And maybe for you today, you're looking at this and going, you know, I don't know if my relationship with the church looks like that list up there. Listen, this isn't a list of things to go and do. I'm not, I'm re I really, and it's so weird. Whenever you put anything in a list form, it becomes a checkbox form. And I, I'm okay with checkboxes. I like them. But as long as, I can, as long as I can understand in my mind that if I just go do these things, it's, it's, it's different than saying I want to become a person that doesn't just give but has a generous heart, right? That, that I become a person that, that doesn't just, you know, get in a small group but builds biblical community in my life. That, that I just don't have an accountability partner, but I have a friend that sharpens one another like iron sharpens iron. Church is a blend of gatherings, friendship, family, service, accountability, uniting together in the work of Christ. And the relationship with the church is to be something that we're intended to grow into for the duration of our life, not grow out of. And I say that, and that's a very important word for this generation. We don't grow out of church. I believe Scripture reiterates and elevates the role of the church in our life through so many different mediums. Not just attending gatherings like this or building community, but it's one in which we go and chase the Great Commission together and employs all the structures of the church that we see inside the Scriptures, which includes praying together, giving to one another. It includes pastors equipping. It, in it includes people... Um, you know, who bear with one another in love, among many other things. So perhaps in 2020, you need to consider how you continue to grow in your relationship with the church. And this is just an encouragement. 
and you say the church, does that mean this church or does that mean the church, the, the one that we can all kind of go, I don't have to know what it means because it's so like ethereal. The church. I mean a body of believers. I, you know, it doesn't mean this church. It means that you are connected with real people. Not this, not this sort of imaginary audience, the church, that we kind of can say, I'm a part of the larger church. And I go, well, who are you meeting with? Who's you, who are you held accountable to? Who are you living in biblical community with? Where are you giving? Those are all real things. Okay. Um, the third relationship. Is there, <laughs> can I get a drink here? The third relationship that comes with the territory of being a Christian is our relationship with the world. What does a relationship with the world look like for a believer? What comes with that territory? Well, believe it or not, I have five quick thoughts. <laughs> Our relationship with the Lord is declaring this, that I love friends, neighbors, strangers, enemies in my city. It's about love. That I will find ways to make the world around me better, that I'm going to be a blessing to the world around me. That I will intentionally share the gospel with those around me. I will engage the world with the gospel. I submit my career, my accomplishments, and ambitions to the will and purposes of God. My work. And I'm involved in making disciples in my city and worldwide that I have a global heart to see the nations reached. In order to do these things Jesus called us to be, in order to fulfill the Great Commission... I believe not only do we have to have a strong relationship with God, we have to have a strong relationship with our church. And, of course, we have to have a strong relationship with the world around us. And, and some of those people we're going to reach for Jesus, and some of them we're just going to love for Jesus. We don't have to reach everyone, but we can love everyone. And who doesn't want this to be a foundation to your life? You know what I'm saying? A life that loves others, that wants to bless the world around you, that wants to engage people with the gospel, uh, that wants to submit our work to the Lord, to a life that contributes to making disciples, not only in our city, but around the world to the ends of the earth. Who doesn't want a life like that, right? Like everything that we're talking about is a life that we can become. Jesus gives us a, a dream of a life that we could live. And it's an exciting life. And yet our relationship with the world doesn't always feel that exciting, does it? Most of us are living large portions of our days in an environment that is not centered on Jesus, understandably so. And that, that the pace of the world around us is at times out of control. Would anybody agree? That the grind of work, even if we like our work, is still a grind. That in our world, the kind of the mentality of living for the weekend or trying to, you know, counting down the days to our next vacation the world of people that we live in that aren't always all that kind, that we have to interact with, who don't seem to care about things that are important, or at least the things that you think are important. Who would agree that the world can be an exhausting place? Anybody with me? And the truth is sometimes it's easier just to get through those things. And our relationship with the world is more about stress, frustration, getting through and escapism. How do we escape the world? Is anybody with me? Yet Jesus models an example of life in which he engages the world and he becomes attractive to the world, not just to believers, but to people who aren't believers. 
I mean, we know that the, the truth, the sinners flock to him, the tax collectors, the, the, pol- the people who are political, like the Roman centurion, who is, you know, whoever. I mean, they were attracted to Jesus. In Matthew 9, it says that Jesus looked out with compassion on the people of the world. And in John 3.16, the famous passage, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. There's just something about our relationship with the world that as believers is a very, it's, this is a challenging one because for so many of us, although we want to have a heart for the world, it's, 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 a, it's, it's difficult to do so. It's a challenge to do so. To engage the world with intentionality and with love. Perhaps for you in 2020, the tip of the spear is going to be your work. Where this place that you spend, for a lot of us, it's 40 or more hours a week. We give some of the best hours of our week to our jobs. We put our best energy into it. All those, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the place where God is going to transform your ambition and your calling and, and, and insert it right into the, those hours of the day in which you're living out who you are in Jesus right there. Some of you already do that, but maybe it's just going to be expanded and accelerated and you're going to see a whole new breakthrough there. You know, there, there are things that come with the territory of our faith and being a Christian. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, there's probably not one new thing that I shared with you today. <laughs> That's what's funny about this message is everybody's going, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you already knew this. So we'll kind of look at this in kind of one big picture here, the relationships. Can you grow in these three ways? What if in 2020 you cultivate a deeper and better relationship with the Lord? Can you like, oh, this is a lot. This is 15 things. No, it's not. It's three relationships. What if you cultivated a deeper and better relationship with God? What if you lean in and grew your relationship with the church? And what if you had the eyes and the heart of Jesus for the world around you? Like, what, what if we just went back to the foundation? What if we stood on something solid that wasn't shifting with the season that we were in, going, eh, and, and, and chasing rabbit trails and getting sidetracked and, and forgetting, like, man, I just, this is it for me. Like, I want to have a better relationship with the Lord this year. I want to have a better relationship with my church. I'm saying this as your pastor. I want a better relationship with people in our church. I want to have a better relationship with the world around me. That's what I want. That's the life I want to live. Perhaps God is saying there's an intimacy and a passion coming for you in 2020, and it's time to lean into that more. Perhaps it's with this church and there's commitments you can make or decisions you can make or relationships you can build. And by the way, next week, shameless plug, next week we're going to be talking about community and small groups and what we're calling in the future, connect groups and equip groups. And it's going to be just an exciting season ahead of us for you to get even deeper connected within this body. Perhaps with the world around you, you you know in your heart, you know in your heart that you have not engaged the world around you with Jesus and you haven't been courageous as a follower of Christ. And and that's okay, but, but maybe this is the year that everything changes. Perhaps 
That's one of the new things God has for you in 2020. This must be, for me, and I think for you, this must be where my relational journey begins, right here, with these three. So this morning, I just want to ask, you know, what relationship is speaking to you? And I'm assuming all three do, to some degree. But perhaps God has something that he wants to even speak to you, like maybe that whole fill-in-the-blank thing, you know, with... uh, the new thing for you this year. Maybe there's going to be something that sort of rises to the top this morning for you. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give you some time to just reflect and pray. I mean, I want you to receive all of this, but but perhaps there's a prayer that we could say, the Lord, what do you have for me today? I, I do want to receive all of it, but God, what is something specific that I need to, to hear from you today? So I'm going to say a prayer and but it's really just a prayer that I'm, I'm kind of giving you an example prayer so that you could pray on your own here in just a moment. Father, as we begin a new year, we ask what's new for us. God, give us listening ears right now. Father, our relationship with you, what must be done? Our relationship with the church, what must be done? Our relationship with the world, what do you have for us? I'm going to give you a moment just to pray sort of in that heart right now. Just a little bit of space, a couple minutes for you to just pray. Lord, what do you have for me in 2020? What do you have for me in these three relationships? What do I need to hear today? and give you a little bit of space to do that. over all of us and, and to do that would you would you stand would you stand where you're at right now and just stand and just say a few things as sort of prayers of declaration and prayers of of just a, a hope with everybody's heads bowed still we're just going to do this and then we're going to sing and we're going to have a little bit more time for you to just respond to the Lord But who in here would say, maybe just with everybody's heads bowed, just a, a hand lifted or something, who in here would say, Lord, I, I, I desire to become um, more in my relationship with you, that, that relationship with the Lord for you. You're, you're feeling right now that that's a desire for your heart. Just lift your hand right now that say, yeah, God, we just pray. We declare that, Lord, 2020 will be a new year. We'll see new things. For you in the church, maybe it's community, maybe it's Maybe it's one of these other things we talked about. Maybe there's something God's speaking to you right now about the church. Just lift your hand if that's where you're at, Father. We just want to lift your hand if that's where you're at. God, we declare that, Lord, even if we're already all in on the church, that, Lord, there's always more. And so, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, you would do more in this church and more in the, in, in the relationship with the church in this room than, 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 than has ever happened. And that, Father, you would do something in the, in the life of 
this community that would be rich and real and true. We pray that in Jesus' name. And then if, if yours is like, I, I want to grow my relationship with the world around me. I want to be a blessing to the world. I want to love better. I want to engage people with the gospel. If that's you, would you flip your hand? Flip your hand. Father, I pray you just raise up uh, a, a group of people in this city that, that, that care uh, deeply for those who need you, Father. And so, Lord, help us know how to do that well. Give us the power and the strength to do it. In Jesus' name. Maybe just for a moment, just with your heads bow and just continue to pray. Whatever it is that was on your heart, maybe it's for all three things. Just continue to pray. Stephen's going to sing a little bit. We're just going to stand in his presence, praying and singing. year to you. We ask that, Lord, you would do something new in it. I pray that, Father, for each and every person in here, this year would not be like the last year, but it would actually be better. Even if last year was good, we pray for a year that, um, Lord, you would do just abundantly more. New work, fresh work. We know that life isn't always going to be perfect, but, Father, we pray that we would experience the rich blessings and the rich glory the unlimited um, riches that you give us in Christ Jesus, Father. And when we say that, we know that that means so many different things. But, Father, we ask for it in Jesus' name in 2020. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at OKC community church dot com.